You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. we've been looking at last week we started a brand new christmas sermon series called the radiance of the lord's glory and this is taken from the new living translation in luke chapter 2 and today we get another opportunity to see a portion of the christmas story and one of the things we're looking at during the sermon series is what happens when you and i experience the radiance of the lord's glory Let's read from Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And once again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance, here it is, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now, when, when, let me stop right here. I mean, no, you don't have to be afraid when it's God. Amen. And sometimes we get afraid when we experience a little bit more of God. How I many know oh, God has some good things? Don't be afraid of God or God's plan. Verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby Wrap a snugly, uh, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased." Well, what happens when the radiance of the Lord's glory appears? A whole lot of things happen today. For today's topic, I want to dwell on this, one of the final things that is listed here in the scripture. What happens when we experience the radiance of the Lord's glory? It says peace on earth. Somebody say peace on earth. And that's what we are looking at. Do we need peace? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And uh, the Lord God Almighty is the one who brings us peace. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house today to worship you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move and minister in this place. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be even right here worshiping you where others around this world do not have that privilege of worshiping you. Thank you, Lord. We, as we get into the teaching of your word, may your word come alive, enlighten our minds, enlighten our hearts so that we may know and understand more of what you would like to share with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to take a minute to go through a history lesson. Are we all right with that? We're going to go back to the year 1914. And um, there was a man named uh, Franz Ferdinand. I want to show you a picture of Franz. Uh, let me see. Here we go. Anybody have heard of Franz Ferdinand? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay. We. Oh, okay. A couple of you have. Okay. Then you, you probably may be familiar with what I'm going to share with you in this history story. Yeah, Franz Ferdinand was, wasn't the leader of his country. He was the Archduke of Austria. What is interesting about, um, about what happened to him is um, he was assassinated. He was killed. And 
what was interesting is what happened shortly thereafter. Because because of his assassination, because of his of his murder, uh, there created a huge conflict. And let me put it to you this way. Uh, people started blaming other people and countries started blaming this guy. All because of the assassination of this man. For example, Austria declared war, to, war on Serbia because they thought that Serbia had killed him. Uh, so Russia found it necessary to, uh, to, to declare war on Austria because, I mean, after all, you just can't do that. So then Germany declared war on Russia because they wanted to protect Austria. France declared war on Germany. And, and, and see how the snowball effect happened here. And literally all these things happened with probably without about one week time span. Germany declared war on, a war on Belgium. Uh, Britain declared war on Germany. And it was a whole huge mess. And what ended up is what we refer to as World War One. How many people died because of uh, all this fighting that took place? Uh, it is estimated that somewhere between 16 and 20 million people died during the four-year span of World War I. As you can see, something that should not have gotten out of control definitely got out of control. In fact, one of the tactics of the enemy, of the armies that they would use in World War I, was something called trench warfare. Trench warfare was this: you dig, a, uh, you dig a hole, you dig a, you dig a line, and you establish your position. You go down into the ground, and then what you do is you just take some ammo and you just hurl it over to the enemy. Sometimes, most of the time, without even looking to see where the enemy's at, you just kind of, uh, kind of hide yourself and throw the the ammo over, and that became very popular. Trench warfare became very popular in World War One. Uh, the war was on. The war was on. That, that really began around the summer of 1914. Well, a few months later, December rolled around, and to be more exact, something unique happened on December the 24th, 1914, about six months after World War I began. One of the soldiers, and no one is exactly sure who it was or what country this soldier represented, but he did something outrageous, so to speak. He dropped his weapons and he literally stepped into the middle of the battleground and called for a ceasefire so that we could celebrate or everybody could celebrate Christmas. That's right. It was December 24th, 1914 when this happened. And even though these uh, armies were at great odds with each other, they were killing each other, uh, someone, one, it only took one soldier to realize that they actually had one thing in common. They had one thing in common in that they both celebrated the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he declared a ceasefire, and it worked. All the soldiers from uh, the, both sides of the army, they stopped fighting. They put down their weapons. And on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, they literally played games with each other. They ate together. They, I understand they had fruitcake together, which is not in season anymore for most of us. But they had, a, uh, they had a good time. They fellowshiped with each other. Even though they were enemies, there was one common ground that brought them together, and that was they worshiped Jesus. And they were, it happened to be the birth, the, the, the anniversary of the birth of Jesus, Christmas Day. They told stories and played games. That night um, so impacted them 
that when the next day after Christmas they were supposed to get back into fighting, uh, they didn't want to fight each other because after all they had gotten to know their enemy and they didn't want to come against their enemy any longer. In fact, many of the commanding officers had to redeploy their soldiers somewhere else because they didn't want to fight those men who were across the battleground from where they were at. And because of this, there's a rule that came about, and uh, it's called the no fraternization rule. Don't fraternize your enemy because if you get to know them, you're probably not going to want to kill them. Don't take time to fellowship with your enemy. Well, uh, this whole story in the history lessons, because of what happened on December 24, 1914, became, became, became known as the Christmas Truce of 1914, where the armies of uh, many countries were reconciled. How did that reconciliation take place? It was because of the Son of God, Jesus. And today I kind of think, you know, I realize right now there is wars going around in other parts of the country. Here in the U.S., we're not really used to seeing war before our eyes. There's tragedies, there's mass shootings and other things going on. But at the same time, I see that there are battles going on and um, there are problems going on even right here where we live. There's racial disunity, there's, um, uh, there's people who hate each other and have problems with each other. Wouldn't it be great to call a truce, the Christmas truce of of uh, 2018, huh? And just say, you know what? I'm your brother. I'm your sister. And look, yeah, there's no there's no need to fight because there's one common ground that we have, and that is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world uh, focuses so much on the uh, on the pain, on the on the debates, on the on the the problems that we have. God focuses on reconciliation. In the Greek, the word peace, we're talking about peace on earth, and I want to kind of correlate this history lesson to what we look at today. In the Greek, the word peace is uh, irenopoisio, and that literally means, and once again, the word peace in Greek, and uh, for short, you may say the word irene. For those uh, and you ladies who are, your name is Irene, that literally means peace. But a more correct translation of the Greek version of of this word is reconciliation. Reconciliation. A good example of this is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is what Jesus has done for us. Scripture here says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God who is through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, first of all, when we read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we've read that many times. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Anybody here has experienced that? If you have, raise your hand. You've experienced that Jesus Christ is now your Lord. Your old life is gone and your new life has come. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. We have new life in Jesus Christ. But I don't want to stop in verse 17 because verse 18, the very next verse, tells us the kind of ministry that God has given to you because you have new life. What is that ministry? The Bible here in verse 18 refers to it as the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now verse 19, it says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the, uh, the message of reconciliation. So what is this scripture saying here? Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, you and I can be reconciled to God. Why is that necessary? Because there was a barrier between God and you. The good news is when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, that barrier was destroyed. That now we have peace between ourselves and God. Anybody here can say, I have peace with God. Amen. Because you know what? I'm no longer in my life of sin. I have peace with God. Now, that's the good news. We have peace with God. But there's something else we want to discuss is there is also something a little bit different, the peace of God. Because there's times that we may have peace with God that we're no longer sinners. But at the same time, there's some people who just need the peace of God. And once again, the scripture here is very clear to say, wait a minute, just as though God, through Jesus Christ, reconciled our relationship vertically, now you and I have a ministry horizontally, and that is called the ministry of reconciliation. Peace on earth. This is what we're talking about here today. And uh, I'm sure uh, George and Lane won't, won't, won't uh, be upset when I tell them this story because George shared it at our Christmas uh, dinner last week. Some of you were, were there. But uh, some of you know Brother George, Brother Lane here that come, come to Fortress Church. And uh, they knew each other like 20, 25 years ago. And they had a falling out. They were mad at each other. And it turned out that, <clears throat> that um, uh, Lane had been coming to Fortress Church for about... I don't know, six, eight months, and he says, hey, Pastor Randy, I ran into a friend of mine, and he asked me, what church are you going to? And I told him, Fortress Church. He says, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, George goes there as well. And he says, no, I haven't seen him there. Turns out that George always comes on a 915 worship. He's out of town today. And Lane would always come to 11 o'clock worship. They'd never cross paths. But then a few months ago, uh, Lane was leaving the 915 worship service, going out to his car. George was coming in, and they crossed paths. And they had, an, they, were, they had been at odds with each other about 20, 25 years ago. And so George went up to him and says, hey, buddy, good to see you. I don't know if you're going to kill me, if you're going to hug me. but you know." And, <laughs> and so, in fact, they hugged and they reconciled because you know what brought them together? Now they have common ground. Now today they are both believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? That is the ministry of reconciliation. Now we can do that. Kind of reminds me of the husband and wife who are mad at each other. And I don't know if you husband and wife, please don't raise your hand if you have ever done this. But a lot of times, uh, they, um, husbands and wives fight in different manners. So they decided to give each other the silent treatment. Oh, I'm not going to talk. No. Kind of like one of those things is, well, you know, he needs to take the initiative to make things right. And he thinks, oh, she needs to take the initiative to make things right. So then you walk into the silent treatment, right? They were not speaking to each other at all. So, so uh, the husband writes a note to his wife, please, because they weren't talking, writes a note, please wake me up at 5 a.m. I have an early flight. Well, the next morning he woke up at 8 a.m. He missed his flight. He was mad. His wife didn't wake him up. And as he got mad, he looked over to the side of uh, uh, the, the nightstand and he saw a little note. And the note said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. Mm. Don't fall into the trap of uh, the silent game, okay? Uh, yeah, how many know we need the message of reconciliation? This is what 
what Paul is telling us here in 2 Corinthians. We need peace on earth. We need peace on earth. But, you know, conflict, uh, someone once told me conflict is part of life. We, we are constantly dealing with conflict, whether it's in the home, whether it's in extended relationships, whether it's even in the church, whether it's in the workplace, or conflict is as part of life. And someone told me that and said, yeah, I guess I can see that. But let me add to that statement, the statement that says conflict is part of life. I'm going to say this, reconciliation is also part of life. Because even though there is conflict, yeah, that's just life. It's just the way it is. You can't, it just happens. But also reconciliation is part of life as well. And I think about that. I thought, started thinking about this earlier this week. Uh, when does conflict happen? Uh, probably conflict happens when someone does something to you. Someone hurts you. Someone disagrees with you. Someone does you wrong. Someone stabs you behind the back, and for some reason there's this, you begin to have odds against each other. So conflict are, arises. And then I went a step further and think, okay, then, then how can conflict happen between me and God? And I thought of one word, and that is called sin. Whenever sin enters my life or anybody's life, it creates a conflict between ourselves and God. And I think about whenever I sin, I hurt God. I hurt God just like when someone sins against me, I get hurt. You know about that. Someone does you wrong, you get hurt. Well, every time you sin, think about this, God is hurt. So guess what God does? God doesn't play the silent treatment. God takes the initiative to make things right with you. Even though he wasn't the one who did wrong, you know what God does? He extends to you and I forgiveness. He extends to you and I grace. How does he do that? Well, the greatest exhibition of grace and forgiveness and love happened about 2,000 years ago when God Almighty sent his only son from heaven to earth. Why? Because he wanted to reconcile us so that we no longer have that barrier of sin. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. What's that last line? God and sinners, what? Reconciled. This is what God wants for you and I. God and sinners. Who's those sinners? That's you and I because we've done wrong. How are we reconciled? Because God sent his son from heaven to earth. Today, our world is in deep need of peace, reconciliation with each other, and reconciliation with God. We need a God kind of peace. And in the Hebrew language, we use the word shalom. Somebody say shalom. Now, in Hebrew, the word shalom is defined as completeness, soundness, welfare, safety, and security. And in the Hebrew culture, you all would often hear individuals greet each other, whether it be the greeting or the closing of a time together, with the words shalom. And why is that used? It literally means when someone in the Hebrew culture were to say shalom, it literally means this, I speak wellness to your health and wellness to your relationships. Speaking life, this is what shalom is. So today, I want to speak shalom. I want to speak peace on earth. And how can I do that? Because it was God himself who sent his son to bring peace on earth. Today, I want to speak wellness to your health and wellness to your relationships. 
A Christian doctor a few years ago carried out an interesting survey involving his patients. As they waited in the waiting room, they were asked to fill out a little survey on themselves. And one of the questions in the survey was this, what is your number one wish in life? Believe it or not, 67%, the number one answer of these people said, I wish I had peace of mind. Hmm. I wish I had peace of mind. It makes me realize how many people are in this world do not have peace of mind. There are many what I call peace stealers, and the list of peace stealers is quite large. What is it that steals your peace? Is it stress? Is it worry? Is it busyness? Or what is it? I want you to take a moment to think about what is it that that, that steals your peace. Maybe it's when someone does you wrong. Someone speaks about you. Someone is negative. Maybe you just turn on the news and you lose uh, your, your concept of what peace on this earth is all about. I don't know. But there are many different aspects of what I call on this list of peace stealers. What is it that steals your peace? And what is it that you can do to gain that peace back? Well, I'm going to go back to this story that we've been looking at in Luke chapter 2, the story of how God brought his son from heaven to earth. And right prior to the birth of baby Jesus, you know what God does? He sends a host of angels, or as we just read from the New Living Translation, the armies of heaven, to proclaim peace on earth to a group of shepherds who are watching their sheep. Three particular lessons that we can learn from Luke chapter 2. Let's go back to our passage here in Luke chapter 2. And let's take a look at this because what we're talking about here is not any ordinary type of peace. We're talking about a shalom kind of peace, a God kind of peace. Lesson number one from Luke chapter 2 is this. Because of God's shalom, the shepherds knew where to go. Because of God's shalom, the shepherds knew where to go. Verse 15 says here in Luke 2, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, one of the things that the angels, the armies of heaven, speak to these these shepherds is, uh, this is where you need to go. In Bethlehem, there is born a baby. And that's one of the things that I believe you and I need to understand. Whenever we're dealing with any any um, problems in life, you've got to know where to go. Got to know where to go. And first place we need to go is the Lord. A lot of times people look here and they look there and, uh, you know, now that Christmas season is, is, is uh, upon us, my wife and I have had discussions this week about what are we going to buy this person, we're going to buy that person. And I said, I don't know where to go to shoot shop, so I probably may end up going online. I don't know. Maybe it's too late to go online. You know, help me out here. It's already, what's today? December 16th already. Uh, but one of the things I'm, yeah, I, I need some prayer, okay, because I'm one of those last-minute shoppers. But, uh, uh, and so you got to know where to go. Uh, if you're going to get something worthwhile to bless someone with, I mean, you know, you, you got to know where to go. Well, the shepherds knew where to go. They knew. Why? Because the armies of heaven, the angels from heaven, came and they said, hey, I bring you good news today. The, this is where you're going to find the baby. And so once they, they, they heard from the angels, they knew where to go. What I'm saying, my friend, uh, you know, we live in a world that is in desperate need of peace on earth. Do you know where to go? 
Do you know where to go to the Lord? If you hear some bad news on the, uh, on, on, on the television, where do we go? We go to the Lord. Do you know where to go? If you hear some bad news about your health, where do you go? You go to the Lord. God, I need you. God, would you come in and would you in- intervene on, on my situation? Like I mentioned ago, Debbie Garcia is uh, over here, and she's a, a testimony of God's healing hand, right, Debbie? She knew where to go. And one of the things Debbie shared with me, I hope I, you don't mind me sharing it, she says, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for, for, for Fortress Church and my connect group, all right? She's in Peter and Diana's connect group as they just embraced Debbie into uh, just, just to getting back to, to her health. And God is amazing, right? God, God, is, God is just beautiful. So anyway, I tell you that because you got to know where to go. Okay, number two. Let's continue in the story. Luke chapter 2. What, else, what other lesson can we learn? From verse 17, we learned this. Because of God's shalom, the shepherds, they had a story to tell. Verse 17, after seeing the, him, the shepherds told everybody, this is after they saw the baby Jesus, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18, and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They heard the story. So uh, once again, because of the Lord's peace, because of the Lord's shalom, the shepherds had a story to tell. I ask you, what is, what is your story? Maybe you don't realize it, but you have a story to tell. It's a story of God's love. It's a story of what God has done. Now, i got to tell you a little bit of our story, what happened this weekend. Thursday, uh, the group of us that went to uh, the Mexico missions trip right here in Juarez, Mexico, we took off in our church van and uh, Thursday morning, and we're driving, going along pretty good. Then all of a sudden, the van just literally shuts off on IH-10 near Van Horn, Texas. Anybody been to Van Horn, Texas? Maybe on your travels to El Paso. Yeah, and um, it was right about there. And uh, so uh, we were stuck on the side of the road for a few hours. We had the, uh, the church van uh, towed into uh, to Van Horn, and, and it, it just went kapook. The computer went out. And right now, our church van is still in Van Horn, Texas. They're, they're being, uh, it's, it's, we're trying to figure out what the problem is over there at a mechanic. But I'll be honest, I didn't know any mechanics in Van Horn, Texas. So, uh, so that's where it's at, and we're trying to see uh, what's going to happen in there. But, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think, okay, <clears throat> you know, uh, should I have a bad attitude about this, or can we have a good attitude? And praise God, the team had a great positive attitude, and, and there's more to the story that I'm not going to tell you from here as they, they, they the ladies who are here know exactly what happened. But the bottom line is we, oh, I'll tell you part of the story, what happened. The Lord just, we were waiting there, and I was thinking, okay, is, is this van going to be, is, this, is it a small thing? Because I'm not a mechanic, okay? Uh, I'm mechanically challenged, okay? And, and so um, uh, anyway, the thought came to me as we were driving, uh, having the, the church van towed into the city of Van Horn. I saw on the side of the road, it said Van Horn Community Church. And so anyway, after about an hour or so, I'm waiting to see if the, what the mechanic says. You know, I'm just going to call this, I'm going to Google Van Horn Community Church. Googled it, called, and I said, uh, hey, this is, uh, my name is Randy Garcia, and I pastor Fortress Church in San Antonio. We had a breakdown in our church van, and I'm wondering, do you happen to have a church van that we could rent? And we just need to go to El Paso because Jane Christensen and her ministry team were willing to come across the border and bring us to Juarez. And so he says, no. I don't have a church van, but I'd love to help you. But there's a Baptist church that has a church van here in town. So I'm going to call the pastor. Give me five minutes, and I'll call you back. So five minutes later, Pastor Randy, I said, yeah. He said, this is Pastor Ron. I'll tell you what, the Baptist church has a church van, but the pastor doesn't have time to take you to El Paso and come back. 
by this time it was about uh, 3.30 on Thursday afternoon. And, uh, and he said, but I can. You know, I got to pick up my son from school, and I'll take you to El Paso. And the, the, the Baptist pastor says he'll lend us the van if I drive it and bring it back tonight. So is that all right if, if I drive you, but we use the Baptist church van? I said, that's teamwork, okay? So about 30 minutes later, and he drives up. Uh, we move all of our stuff into this 15-passenger van uh, that says First Baptist in Van Horn, Texas. Uh, we went uh, to to El Paso, got there about 5.30 or so, uh, met up with Jane Christensen and her team. Uh, we had dinner in El Paso, then crossed the border Thursday night, and our ministry time was underway. And not even the breakdown of a church van can stop us from doing the work of the ministry, right? So, uh, amen. You know, God, God knows what he needed to do. And, uh, and we rented a couple of vehicles to come back, but that, that, it, everything was fine. Uh, you know, God works everything out, uh, but, I, but I tell you that, uh, you know, God had this special uh, few days in store for us so that we could do some ministry across the border. My, my, my point is this. We have a story to tell, and the story, that was just the beginning of the story, how God got us there. That, I mean, just, just how did God get you there? And that's kind of like reminds me of the story of Christmas because it, it's, it's more, it, it's a lot about what, what happened, the ministry time. Jesus, the Son of God, was born, but, but how did you get there? How did the wise men get there? They had to follow a star. I had to borrow a, a First Baptist Church van to get to El Paso, okay? And, and, uh, you know, and what happens is you have a story, I have a story. Uh, so later on we may, we, we may say, okay, <clears throat> We may need a church van, you know, but the first thing we got to do is support missions, and that's what's on our heart. God will provide a van for us if we end up having to get a new van because our van is is a little bit old anyway, okay. (laughs) But praise God. Well, we've got a story to tell. The bottom line is there are people that need Jesus. There are people who need the love of Jesus. Once again, verse 17, it says, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angels had said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. My friend, you have a story to tell. Last of all, number three, because of God's shalom, the shepherds knew they had been with God. Verse 20 here in Luke chapter 2, it says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Wow. And I could imagine how after they pers- went to Bethlehem, after, uh, after them seeing the baby Jesus conversing with Mary and Joseph, they went back to their flocks praising and glorifying God. You know why? Because they had been with God. They had been with God. You know, one of the things that I, and I keep on uh, hopefully, you, you don't mind me sharing just another story, just being across the border this past weekend and singing with and ministering with these children who had, they all have their stories. They wouldn't be in the safe houses if they hadn't, weren't, if they hadn't gone through this, any type of, of sexual trafficking. And what hurt me the most is, on the, for the most part, it's their family members who are putting these boys and these girls at risk. There was one, one story of uh, one of the young ladies who was at, uh, in the safe house. And, uh, and mom came over, and they said, okay, I, 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 can I see? They allow the parents to see the kids. And the instructions were, as long as, you, as long as you bring her back by sundown tonight, 
you can take her. And she took her out. And believe it or not, two hours later, mom brought her daughter back to the safe house. And shortly thereafter, the little girl was saying, telling the story how over the last two hours she had been raped. And what had happened was mom needed a drug fix. So what did she do? She borrowed her daughter from the safe house to pimp her out so that she could have money for her drug fix and then took her back to the safe house. These are the kind of things that the safe house is dealing with. But what warms my heart is to see these children, after all, that they've been dealing with, lifting their hands and worshiping Jesus. And in Spanish, singing songs like, Oh, come, let us adore him. We had a great Christmas time of worship. Singing songs like, I am who God says I am. I, to see them praying and worshiping God. And literally, one of the times we walked in, they were, they were in, in the middle of a huge Holy Spirit-moved revival right there in the, in the presence of that safe house. And I say, you know what? Uh, it's worth every moment. It's worth every penny that we invest. It's worth every moment that we spend with these children because we have a story to tell. And I know that when you minister to the least of these, you minister to the Lord. So Jesus said, when you minister to the least of these, you're ministering unto me. And I tell you that because I know that this weekend, I was with God. The shepherds had a story to tell because they were with God. My friend, you can have an experience with God. And I realize uh, you may not have been able to go with us, but even here today, the mere fact that you're in the presence of God, you can walk out of this place knowing I've been with God. I've heard from God. And it's all up to how you respond in the next few minutes. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you continue to move in this place? Holy Spirit, would you continue to speak to us in a powerful way? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to make a declaration, and you're more than welcome to join in with me. I'm going to say this. In fact, maybe if you want to, go ahead and jump in and repeat after me. God Almighty, Jehovah Shalom, I thank you for being my Prince of Peace. I am blessed because of you. As I make decisions in life, I ask you to bless me with your peace. As I deal with problem people in my life, I ask that you would bless me with your peace. As your word says in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe I am blessed with the ministry of reconciliation. As your word says in Luke 2, I will be blessed with your peace if my life pleases you. I desire to please you in the words I say, the things I do, and the life I live. And I receive your peace. Amen. So be it. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Can we do that?